Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and on this week's episode we're going to be continuing our month of sequel Septembers by discussing the 2011 horror film Paranormal Activity 3, directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman, starring Lauren Bittner, Chris Smith, and Chloe Sengeri. In this sequel, a family is haunted by a supernatural entity who may or may not have their best interests in mind. If you're new to the show, Brian and I will have a spoiler-free discussion up front before we dive into the plot, the spoilers, and our review. Before we start, Brian, any new Patreon subscribers we got to call out this week? Oh, yeah. Thank you for thinking of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wanted to give a big thank you to Frank and AK Lambo and Elliot, our friend Elliot Thomas. Oh, man. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took this long for Elliot to support us. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Thanks, uh, Elliot. Thank, thanks, all three of you, for supporting yeah. the show. We appreciate it. Hope you find some stuff to enjoy out there. Yeah, yeah, we got a new episode dropping uh, pretty soon on Wishmaster. Um, we, we keep teasing it. It's going to come out <laughs> yeah, one of these days. It's almost there. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so, Brian, uh, I feel bad because uh, I think we skipped part two. And generally we go in chronological order. But, um, yeah, I think maybe we both felt that three was a stronger entry. Um, so, I, I don't know, do you not also have fond memories of two or... Is that a little bit low on your list? I still cannot remember if I've seen two or not. I feel like surely I must have. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing three in the theater. Right, me too. Yeah, I don't know why two just feels, yeah, it feels very forgettable. Like I I think there was a baby involved or something, a couple and a baby, right? I think so. Like I really want to say I've seen it, but I just cannot remember. And this one you remembered seeing the? I did for sure remember seeing this one, yeah. Same, yeah. I remember being really impressed. Uh, and I, I think that's a feat, like when you see the third uh, film in a franchise and it's like something memorable, uh, that's something you don't forget. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like it was a packed theater. Everybody was wowed. It was a good movie experience. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I think this one is the most uh, successful in a number of ways. It has the biggest return. It made $207 million on a budget of $5 million, so that's the highest in the series. And then from Rotten Tomatoes' perspective, it has a 66%, uh, which it puts it ahead of all the other ones except the first one, which I think is in the 80s. So yeah, this one does seem like a, a standout across all, what, like five or six films now? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's going to be eight. So there's oh, Paranormal man. Activity in 2007, Paranormal Activity 2 in 2010, Paranormal Activity 3 in 2011, Number 4 in 2012, Paranormal Activity The Marked Ones in 2014, The Ghost Dimension in 2015, Next of Kin in 2021, and then next year in 2023, we've got an upcoming Paranormal Activity The Other Side. Oh, yeah. Excited for that. Uh, how many of those have you seen out of the eight? Well, I, just, I think two and maybe three, depending on if I've seen the second one or not. I think I'll try to catch up. I think I'll try to do that whole franchise before the one comes out next year. Yeah, it would be a good excuse to check the whole franchise out. Yeah, yeah. And um, as you were saying with the box office, it it set all sorts of records too you know it's almost like superlatives like the best midnight showing ever for a horror film yeah uh best opening day ever for a horror film at the time of its release so yeah. there's a, many of those things you could read out but it was it was a success yeah i'm surprised uh three was such a success given like how two and other ones performed um i i saw that about it being like the highest uh, midnight release is that was that just for that year or is that forever in all time. It was the supposedly the best midnight showing ever for a horror film. Wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. I mean, it's wild. This did make more money than the first one. Mm-hmm. But to think back on the first one, the budget was so small for the first one. Sure. This film made 41 times its budget. The first one made 900 times its oh budget. My God. That's <laughs> it's insane. It's thought isn't to it? be the most profitable movie ever. Yeah, yeah. it's nuts. Yeah, I always think of this one and Blair Witch as like the most profitable films where it was just, yeah, skeleton crew shooting something 
straight up on the concept making a bunch of money. Well, it's just so it makes so much sense that we had such a glut of these for 10 years or so. Yeah, yeah, right. Real money makers. Um, and the guy behind all of this, uh, Oren Pelly, so he wrote, directed, and produced the first one. And then he kind of takes a back seat for the rest of the series or the franchise and just uh, produces them all along with uh, his friend Jason Blum uh, and others. And he also got into the Insidious franchise. Uh, I, I think he's a really interesting dude just because uh, he, he's kind of behind the scenes now and just acting as a producer. Yeah, I don't know much about him other than that. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, uh, he, he makes, like, one of the most successful films where he did, like, everything behind it. And then he's just, like, peace, and, and now he's just uh, a producer back there. I mean, good, good for him. It's, like, early retirement in a way. I mean, yeah, hopefully he made a shit ton of money on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he's still making money on these other ones. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, this is a strong franchise. Seems like it's still got its momentum going. Um, yeah, curious to see how repetitive you think this one is to the first one. But I uh, thought it was interesting to see Christopher Landon's name attached to this, uh, the writer from Happy Death Day and Freaky. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> slowly it's being like shoved into my head as we do this podcast what a big deal Christopher Landon is. Like, yeah. He's got a huge footprint on modern horror. He co-wrote Disturbia. Oh. Uh, if you want to call that horror, it's more like a thriller, but I still <laughs> yeah. think it puts a little bit of a footprint in the genre. Damn, Shia LaBeouf call out. <laughs> yep. He wrote uh, Paranormal 2, 3, 4, The Marked Ones, and Next of Kin. He directed The Marked Ones as well. And then, yeah, yeah. he takes a total turn, which totally unlike these movies in directing Happy Death Day. Yeah. Directed and wrote Happy Death Day to you and directed and wrote Freaky. Right, yeah. I know, like, if you if you look at that that recent stuff he's doing, it seems very different than this, more comedic software. Right, right. He's a yeah. prolific dude. He's got a producer credit on the upcoming My Best Friend's Exorcism, too. Oh, cool. Nice. When does that come out? That's later this year? Uh, very soon, like in a month or something like that. Okay, nice. I uh, heard from somebody that it's not very good, but oh, I cannot boy. reveal my source. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shoot, that book was... You read the book, right? I did, I really liked the book. So. Yeah, that was a fun read. Yeah, I'll watch it, but it made me feel less like we should do an episode on it. Okay, all right. Yeah, TBD on that one. Yeah. Um, similar to the other films in the franchise, uh, no big actors or actresses here. Um, a lot of uh, people who've you know mostly worked in this franchise some who've had some side parts in other films but i think that's a key part of these films is you can't really have a big star power with this right i agree you wouldn't really think about it like that but i do feel it's important if you're supposed to believe a found footage film you can't really watch allison brie and dave franco in a found footage film like you know what i mean mm. i don't know, I don't know why seen... i use them as an example but <laughs> I've seen some found footage films that had uh, a lot of big names in them. Who? What? Oh, like the... <laughs> uh, so, let's talk about sex tapes. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, you had this like weird footage. giggle under your breath. I'm like, what's <laughs> yeah. he getting at? Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah, I think that found is footage found works footage. If, if you got... <laughs> so, sometimes it helps a, a found footage get found if you got bigger names on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, I guess you're right. In horror, in the documentary style, uh, yeah, it's, it's helpful if you don't recognize someone there. <laughs> Ashwin just cannot <laughs> control himself. I'd like to let you all know that he's just got the biggest, <laughs> dumbest smile on his face. He's so proud of himself. I am. I am, man. I feel like that was a beautiful setup. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm high-fiving um, myself right now. <laughs> I will say I recognize Christopher Nicholas Smith, who oh. plays... The main dude, Dennis. Dennis. What, where, where do you recognize him from? My wife and her friends were fans of these comedy sketches on YouTube by this comedy troupe called Harvard Sailing Team, and he's a part of it. Oh, no kidding. So she used to always quote, and I kind of did too, this skit they have online called Boys Will Be Girls. Mm -hmm. It's pretty funny, actually. Oh, I'll have to check that out. You, you get that vibe from him that, like, uh, I, I think he is, uh, he's, like, pretty funny uh, and, like, pretty charming dude. So that makes sense. He was a comedian. Yeah. He also had a very tiny episode or appearance on an episode of 30 Rock once. Uh, oh, which one? I can't remember the full plot, but Liz is trying to take this young, pregnant 
teen under her wing and she's trying to write folk music that's really bad and Liz has to pretend she likes it. Oh, wow. And then her boyfriend finally comes back to her and says he wants to be the dad. And, and it's this dude? It's this dude. Oh, that's funny. Nice, nice. Uh, cool. Yeah, no, I I, I, I liked him. I thought, I thought he was a pretty charming dude to have on screen here and brought a good, uh, good, good dynamic. Um, I agree. Yeah. I uh, didn't recognize anyone else, th- though we did have in the opening here some people from part one and part two, so we'll talk about that when we go through the plot. Um, the director, uh, the directors, I guess, they're like a duo. So before this film, they had worked on a film together called Catfish, which looks like it was pretty successful. Have you seen that one? I haven't, but that's where the term catfish came from. Like, from to catfish movie? somebody? Yeah. What? Really? Oh, wow. Got pop culture influence, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I assumed it was the other way around, where they they named it after that phenomenon. Nope, nope. It's named after the movie. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it's, that movie sounds like it was uh, pretty well received, and uh, yeah, these guys went on to do this film. Um, I forget what else they've done. Uh, any other big films? They did Paranormal Activity Four as well. They've done a couple films that look like they should be big based on who's in them, but I had never really heard of them, or if I did, I immediately forgot. They did a film called Nerve, which starred Emma Roberts and Dave Franco. Oh, that's why Dave Franco's on my brain. And a film called Project Power, which starred Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, so they they went places from here. They did. They did, kind of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, got, got some bigger actors involved at least. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we watched the first one, uh, I, I gotta say like in the last year, maybe, I don't know, time is weird, but, uh, I think we were big fans, right? Like we were in the fours or fives. We were big fans. I gave it a five. I can't remember what you gave it. I think okay. you gave it a four and a half or five or something. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I, I love the whole premise of, um, found footage, uh, and this kind of like a uh, horror supernatural stuff. Uh, so this, we this haven't cool. done a found footage in a while, it feels like. I know, I know. You know, how come we never... like The, the other found footage that was really exciting and kind of in a similar vein was Host that came out in 2020. And I think that guy put out another film this year. But I, have you heard much about it? I heard Dashcam? it was not very good. Really? Oh, man. Yeah, okay. so I don't know. Maybe Shit. I'll check it out at some point, but yeah, I've heard from multiple people that it's not good. Do you think found footage is dead? I don't think it's dead, but I think it's time. His his its peak is definitely behind us. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there were years where it was just like so many of these. Um, you want to w- say something like searching and host can be replicated or unfriended? Yeah. I think was like that one of the unfriended movies where it's like the interactive computer screens. But I just don't think people have enough of an appetite for that for it to be a boom yeah that's what our life looks like all the time (laughs) i just (laughs) i think people will want to break want to break from that yeah yeah i'm I'm sure uh, all that screen staring um but yeah it makes me wonder about some of these new apps uh like the tiktoks and the growing people on instagram and stuff um oh you don't ever think like twitter like some kind of word-based Social app could be the grounds for a horror film in the future, do you? It would be a very boring horror <laughs> film, I think. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wouldn't work. Uh, I wonder if Snapchat, though, because you could make things disappear. And this, Isn't there a ghost on the icon? I think, like, Scream 5 incorporated some of this stuff into the plot. I think it will be woven into plots more. I just don't know about... Yeah. I don't know. You could maybe do, like, an Instagram... I'm thinking of a movie like Cloverfield, like a event that's happening across a big space or mm-hmm. the entire world and just clips from different Instagrams. Oh, yeah. Right. Being shared. It's like kind of like short films. Yeah. Short which is interesting because I know in our Paranormal Activity episode, we talked about how found footage has precedence in literature in epistolary novels, which are told via like correspondence or diary entries or something like that mm-hmm. uh oh sure so if you did something like let's say it's a cloverfield type event and the whole movie is just like clips from different people's instagrams like yeah a collection of vignettes almost then yeah. that would essentially be going 
very much back to the roots of this genre. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I, I could totally see that. That reminds me a lot of like World War Z and like how that's written, uh, just like clips of different people's experiences. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, Good I example. Yeah, I think I think right. There's something there, uh, but yeah. But in general, I, I don't think people are like walking around with uh, video cameras too often anymore. Though I don't know. What about Nope? Like you wouldn't put that slightly in a found footage category since um, a lot of like the plot around uh, involves them trying to get something on found footage. No, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> All right, it's <laughs> right, <this is> a stretch. <laughs> this, <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think that genre might be coming to like a standstill and it needs to be reinvented somehow. And I, th- I thought Host did an amazing job at that and hoping other ones are up someone's sleeves. Yeah, I think they'll come, but I don't think they're going to become like they were. I mean, we hit, as not to repeat ourselves, but new listeners don't know, Ashwin and I were doing this for years before we actually started a podcast. Much less frequently, but we'd call each other every few months to discuss a horror movie. And when we were doing that, we were hitting found footage hard. Oh, yeah. I think that's why we're a little light on it podcast-wise, because we like don't want to go back and watch some of these again. <laughs> Not that we yeah. didn't like them, but we just... There's yeah. other things to watch. Like, we sure. still haven't covered VHS. Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about Taking Deborah Logan, which I'd mm-hmm. put up there with uh, found footage. Even, uh, I know Ty West has a new film coming out, one of his movies, was it The Sacrament? That was kind of found footage? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. There's some classics that we haven't uh, talked about on the podcast yet. Yeah, and I think uh, Poughkeepsie Tapes, but there's oh. some like we still haven't even seen. Have you seen that one? I don't think I have, no. I hear that brought up a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe uh, the, we could use this gap to our advantage and go bring back the genre. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going back. and I feel like it's been long enough that I'm ready to re-examine some of these things. Cool, cool. All right, well, uh, any other background you got for us? That That's it. Should I hit the Ohio Connection next? Yeah, let's hear it. Every uh, episode, our friend Alex connects each movie to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Swing by for some delicious drinks and delicious food if you're in the area. Alex says, Paranormal Activity 3... Oh, man, I just forgot. (laughs) This is a great Ohio connection. Okay. Probably just for me and you. Paranormal Activity 3 is a found footage supernatural horror prequel set 18 years prior to the events of the first two films. Actor Katie Featherston reprises her role as Katie, and the film opens in 2005 with her delivering old videotapes to her sister, which hold footage of them as youngsters. Through this, we are introduced to young Katie, played by actor Chloe Sengeri, who becomes one of the principal roles in this film, as well as installments 4 and 5 in the film series. Sengeri's acting credits are fairly limited, mostly single-episode appearances on TV shows, such as Modern Family, Parenthood, and The Good Doctor. In 2019, she had a minor role in the feature film Fighting With My Family, a biographical sports drama about a family of professional wrestlers. Also making an uncredited appearance in this film is our friend and former roommate, Matthew Trinetti, who can be prominently seen in several crowd shots. What? Matthew Trinetti was born and raised in Chagrin Falls, Ohio. <laughs> I don't know he was on TV. He had a thing in London where he was like an extra. Oh. I don't know if he was like trying to get acting roles but he was in was like, wonder woman and he was in a few movies oh, i think ready no player one wow just like as an extra yeah have you like seen him on screen like in wonder woman or anything i still i still haven't actually seen him okay oh wow it usually yeah. happens so fast yeah sure <laughs> wow good connection that's really close to home Someone he was know. like sorry i was in a rush for this one but i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad he was no, that's a great one. And uh, so Chloe plays the older daughter uh, in this film. Katie. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm so she's in part four and five. I thought uh, for some reason I thought Christy was like the main character here, but maybe, maybe they both are. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know the trajectory of the franchise, so I won't speak out of turn. But Katie becomes the main character, right? Yeah. Sure. Especially from the first film. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Nice. Nice find, Alex. And. Uh, yeah, hope hope Matt's out there doing well, showing up in, in the backgrounds. I'll have to keep an eye out for him. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled. Yep. All right, well, are you ready to dive into the plot, spoil the film, and uh, talk about our review? Let's do it. 
Okay. Hey, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I'm, I'm having a, a small get-together later, and I just got to run out to the grocery store. Okay, sure. All right, cool. Thanks, man. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Hey, buddy. Everything okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything's fine. Uh, We're we're just having some people over tonight for a bonfire, and uh, we're planning to brainwash uh, a few girls uh, who are of childbearing age. So uh, I had to pick up some juice boxes for them. Oh, my. (laughs) Pre-party stuff, you know. That is disturbing (laughs) in ways you may not have even thought through yet. (laughs) What, the juice boxes? (laughs) Which (laughs) are... All right. <laughs> Let's explain that part to me later as we go through this. <laughs> All right. So, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to see what you're saying there. It's <laughs> like that could have been worded a little bit better. Um, so this movie begins with the uh, the couple from Paranormal Activity Two, Christy and Daniel. They're moving into a new house. Uh, Christy's sister, Katie, who. All of us remember from part one is the one who becomes possessed at the end. She stops by and drops off a box of tapes. Presumably this is before she was possessed. Uh, Later, Christy and uh, Daniel come home and observe a robbery has occurred. But the only thing that's gone missing are the tapes. What do you think the setup is about? are, Are we to assume that Katie became possessed and then went on a rampage to steal tapes? Hmm. That's a really good question. Yeah, that's possible. She doesn't want anybody to know the history here. Hmm. Boy, uh, I really need to sit down and watch this whole franchise top to bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hoping they answer that at, at, at some point in the future. Right. Uh, cause it just seems like maybe lower on the list when you think of things possessed people would do. Um, I don't know if going tape hunting is, is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I, viewing it as evidence is the only logic I can find there. But yeah. I'm sure people who have seen 4 and 5 or are even more familiar with 1 and 2 are probably shouting at us. Sure, we're getting those emails as we speak. <laughs> yeah, they, they were emailing about the juice boxes and now they're <laughs> switching topics. Nice. <laughs> and another thing, idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so then we jump back in time to what's on those VHS tapes. And we find out that these tapes were shot by during the 80s by Christy and Katie's mom's boyfriend, Dennis. Dennis is a wedding photographer. He likes to record as a hobby. Um, one night while he has his camera on, they uh, there's an earthquake. And while he's re-watching the footage, he observes uh, that the way the dust, dust falls, it seems like there's an invisible person standing there who moves and he tells the girl's mother, Julie, about this, but she's pretty dismissive of it. Uh, what did you think of the setup, the characters, Dennis, Julie, the kids, character dynamics? What, where were you on this? Well, it's in a way an improvement from the first one because Micah from the first film was so unlikable. And like you said at the beginning of the podcast, Dennis is just a really likable guy. He's very... They do a good job with these movies, and it's hard because you really want to credit the actors, but then you notice they haven't gone on to really have big careers. So yeah. it's like, is it not as hard as it as you would think to do this well? It feels <laughs> to be like that charming. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's got to be some nuance to it to be in a found footage movie pretending to be a real person. So you're yeah. acting, but not really. I think a lot of it probably depends on the chemistry on set and the chemistry with other actors. Mm -hmm. But I'm into it. I think everyone's pretty authentic and likable so far. They have a moment where uh, their mom, Julie, played by Lauren Bittner, is doing this weird, silly voice. Oh, yeah. kind of charming. It just it definitely feels like a day-in-the-life type situation, and I'm on board with it. How about you? Yeah. I agree. I And uh, yeah, I immediately like them all more than the two characters in part one. And it's cool to have like the kids in the action where 
I think the one and two, I, I want to say, is more about like the adult couples interacting. So that, that's a cool new added dimension here. Uh, and, and we find out that um, the youngest daughter, Christy, has an imaginary friend named Toby, which, you know, seems uh, like something young kids at that age might do anyway. So, yeah, I, I agree. I like the the character's dynamics. One thing I, uh, that made me think of you, though, um, so Dennis, he walks around uh, with the camera here in the beginning, uh, even before scary stuff is happening. Um, and I know, like, one thing you've called out with found footage is uh, you need, like, a reason why a character has a camera or is, like, recording. Uh, did that jump out to you here in the beginning at all? Like, why is this dude recording stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's his job, so... I get it, and he's like kind of into the tech. It also makes sense in 1988 when technology's starting to really move, and there's more you can do with stuff. But yeah, maybe there's not a great reason for him to be filming in the first place. At least not that I can remember. Yeah, I kind of felt that a few times in the in the beginning, uh, especially before like he's on on this goose hunt or whatever. I think he's pretty new to moving in with the family, though. So it's maybe like yeah. a, you know. He's documenting. He's finally got the chance to make home movies. He's kind yeah. of one of those people who was kind of sneak, like waiting to be a dad his whole life type vibes. Yeah. And like he's not it. desperate about it, but he just falls into the role so easily that you right. can see him being kind of pumped that he's there and like, sure. oh, okay, like now I'm going to do the dad thing and take and all the videos. <laughs> take it all in video. The dad I mean, thing. in 1988, my family was taking a lot of home videos for no oh, reason really? too. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Dude, the cameras back then were so bulky. I don't feel like it was as easy to take videos all the time. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like when when we got into camcorders, then it got a little bit easier. But yeah, VHS... we had one that sat. It, it was bulky, but it sat on your shoulder to the point that it wasn't totally uncomfortable to carry around. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's an improvement. <laughs> you know, like a whole VHS tape fits yeah. inside of it. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah, those those are bulky, um, but yeah, and, and I think I think you bring up an interesting point there. The dynamic between him and the rest of the family is interesting because of the fact that he isn't their father. He's like someone who's dating the mother, and you can tell like the uh, Julie's mother is kind of critical of Dennis and like Julie's choice to date him, and he's kind of like there as this like cool guy trying to build a bond with these. Uh, with these two uh, girls. Uh, so I, I thought that added an in- in- interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, and they're married now too, right? They're, um, they I are. Think, I think it was a wedding ceremony that we, I assumed they were married, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I couldn't tell. I assumed their boyfriend, uh, girl, I don't know, maybe just from something I, I mean, the kids were saying, I love you, and... Uh, he was saying, I love you back. And I thought at the beginning, he was like, thanks for welcoming me into the family and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought that was like a wedding ceremony but or a uh, reception, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe that explains the camera too then. Okay. So uh, after seeing this kind of strange thing with the dust falling from the earthquake and on, onto an invisible body, Dennis decides to rig the place with cameras and over the next few nights, we get our observations of things going on, knocks around the house, lights turning on, footsteps at night, um, just some fun stuff. The youngest daughter, as we talked about, has this friend, uh, imaginary friend named Toby. Christy, uh, the youngest daughter, talks to Toby at night, and we suspect that he's the one that's behind some of these moving lights and door slams and footsteps. Um, one night, a babysitter is watching the kids, and we see a figure covered in a bedsheet stand behind her and then just disappear, and later some kind of invisible entity shoves her. So things are slowly escalating, and this imaginary force is becoming more and more powerful and taunts uh, Christie's sister, pulling her hair sometimes or locking her in closets. So it's, it's amping up. Uh, what did you think of all these scares? I thought they were effective, man. I mean... The, these movies know how to do it. I mean, it's so basic on one level, but really easy to screw up. We've seen a lot of attempts like this in other movies that just don't work. Yeah. And I think for the most part, these scares succeed. They're not all knock-it-out-of-the-park type scares, but they're all pretty effective. What do you think? 
I agree. The scares are good. And I think a lot of what lends to the scares is the found footage aspect where a lot of times you're staring at a space and you're just like looking all around for like something to happen. And that just like builds up the suspense. So whether actually something happens or not, you're kind of on edge for a lot of these sequences. I thought about the Invisible Man a lot during this episode, or during this sure. movie, and our discussion on that, and how we talked about negative space, yeah. and how you're just staring at nothing. Yeah, all you have to do, in a way, it's so easy. But I know this movie just makes it look easy. Yeah. you just point the camera at something in the dark and leave it there, and we're just waiting for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exactly. even need to happen. It's scary. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I also thought that ghost scare was really cool with the sheet over the figure and then the figure just yeah, disappears was, and the sheet drops. That was awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, and uh, on, on that ghost kill, the device that they're using, so he takes an old school fan, puts it on an oscillating mode, and then puts a camera on top of it. And I, I think that gives a really cool visual throughout the movie where you're kind of going back and forth really slowly between these two rooms. And every time it's like turning, you're just like waiting for, oh shit, like what am I going to see in this shot? Uh, that, I thought that was a really clever play. I agree, man. So clever. And I know we've talked about how if you've got something like a, As Above, So Below where everyone's carrying a camera the whole time, it can get a little jarring or unnerving and just uh, hard to pay attention after a while. But... And Paranormal kind of solved that with some static cameras. Mm-hmm. But that can get a little boring. So this was just a genius yeah. way to find camera movement and make it dynamic. It was weird, too, because you've got Dennis at the peak of, not the peak, but at a point where technology with video was really moving forward and he's trying creative ways to <laughs> capture something. And it's yeah. mirroring how the directors are also like, we got to find a creative way right. to make another movie Similar to the other two, but like set it apart somehow. Yep. And so like Dennis's idea is their idea. I don't know what I'm getting at here, but. Yeah, that's a really creative hack to like add a new way to film this. Yes. staying with the times, right? Yeah. It also just created a perfect amount of suspense too, because you oh know. Yeah. You know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> you know something's going to be there when yeah, the camera moves back to the other side of the room, but you just have to sit there and wait, and it's not going any <laughs> yeah. faster than the fan goes. Right, right. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was, that was genius. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, one other thing that's going here, so Julie's been pretty dismissive of uh, the theories that this guy has, and he's been looking into uh, some research. He found like a, a, a sign or symbol that points to like this cult uh, who is known for, I think, abducting young girls... Uh, and make forcing them to have babies and then making them forget that. Um, so he's like trying to convince Julie of this, but she refuses to even watch the tapes or buy into the idea, which, um, I don't know, like, yeah, as this movie goes, uh, it made, makes me wonder, like, what's the point of all this recording equipment and all this stuff you're catching on footage if you're not like using that to like, uh, I don't know, get out of there or to like drive the point home with someone. Like, did you ever wonder, like, isn't someone watching this and like why aren't they doing something about this the mechanism they gave was that Dennis really wanted to figure it out for sure before he came to Julie with more info he had told her a little bit but he wanted to like be able to put the full piece together but there is a point where you're like now you're at a point where you can show her and she'd be like let's get the fuck out of this house Yeah. but he didn't so that became a little unbelievable that it kept going and yeah. he was still just trying to collect more data. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. And I think I think the way he approached her is talking about the cult first. Maybe he should have approached her with the footage first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Honey, it's called the Juice juice Box Cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all types of flavors. Uh, so I, I think the other two noticeable things that happen, um, so one night... Um, one of Dennis's friends is babysitting Kristen and, or sorry, Katie. And for some stupid reason, I thought this was ridiculous too. They play Bloody Mary when like this dude like knows that there's like crazy shit going on in the house. But for some reason, they still go into the bathroom, lock the door, turn the lights off, play Bloody Mary. And you know, wouldn't you know it? Like some figure comes out, uh, he gets cut, uh, in the dark and a bunch of furniture goes flying around and then um, the other big thing that happens 
is Julie one day is going into the kitchen, the camera is oscillating back and forth, and suddenly all the objects, uh, she walks into the kitchen and it looks empty and then everything that was in the kitchen just falls and crashes to the floor. Uh, I guess it was all like levitating on the ceiling, which uh, I, I love that scene. Did, what'd you think of these uh, sequences? I really loved this scene where they play Bloody Mary. I agree. It's hard to believe that Randy would go into this house he believes to be haunted and has seen the videos yeah. and play Bloody Mary. Uh, but his fear during that scene oh seems God. so realistic. <laughs> He's does. trying to stay calm, but he can't <laughs> quite talk. Yeah, She's like, are you hurt? And he's like, trying to just say no. And he's like, no, no. And it's just very believable. That was a good performance. It was a good performance. We're okay. Juggling. Yeah, we're okay. You're okay. He's juggling trying to be calm for the kid and make it about the kid and being like, fuck, I'm screwed. And you can hear in the dialogue and in his delivery that his little journey there i thought it was really cool <laughs> and it was a scary scene it is it is yeah there's uh, a lot of crazy stuff happening there though you don't necessarily see anything in the bathroom itself right not really you see maybe a figure move outside and some stuff moving outside the bathroom yeah i mean it's funny how um, these movies can make a little camera jolt and some sound design go a very long way because right. of every all the work they put in with the atmosphere and mm-hmm getting you to look at stuff that may or may not be there up until this point they're just yeah i think we talked about this in the first one too they're just very good exercises in restraint Mm -hmm. and deliberate choices about how much to show and when this happens and how many seconds between this happening and that happening to make the scare perfect yeah really well just like fear engineering exactly exactly yeah no they, they execute these scenes really well um, so, uh, unfortunately, oh, so yeah, after all this happens and the furniture falls from the ceiling, Julie decides that this is it. They got to go to her mother's place. So the whole family leaves and goes to the mother's. Um, unfortunately though, uh, safety isn't what they find at her mother's. So while trying to sleep on that first night, Dennis and Julie are awakened by the noise of cars pulling in outside. Julie goes down to check on it, and when she doesn't return, Dennis wanders down the house, only to find a bunch of elderly women crowding the house and doing some kind of ceremony around a fire outside. He finds Julie at the top of the stairs, but she's levitating and dead, and her body flies at him, knocking him down. He finds Christy, and they try to hide in a closet while something huge is running around outside, like animal-like. Um, he tries to escape the house with the kids, but some kind of invisible force snaps his body in half and kills him. Um, the movie ends with the grandmother and the kids walking up the stairs of the house, and Christy calls to Toby, who we hear kind of growling as he goes by the camera and follows them up the stairs. Uh, what'd you think of this last sequence? Wild ending. First, yeah. before I share my thoughts, I want to gripe. Okay. I need to find a way to turn this off, but I hate X-Ray on Amazon Prime. I paused oh. it for a minute during this sequence, and it revealed to me that two elderly women as actors were going to appear on... Not elderly, just older women. Oh. Were about to appear on screen. So I was like, yeah. oh, well, I forgot I what happened here, but I know he's going to come across a coven now. Yeah, yeah. It's no, just like... So yeah. fucking annoying, man. I don't need to see it every time I pause. Like, right. Yeah, seriously. Why can't you just pause without being told who's on screen or who's about to come yeah, on screen? Yeah, especially if they're not on screen yet. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, but yeah. somebody will hopefully just email me and be like, hey, Brian, this is how you turn it off. <laughs> it's really easy. You're only 38. You can figure that out. Yeah. Um, But I loved this final scene. I thought... It was just very climactic and bonkers. I could see how someone would be like, well, what the fuck? How'd these old women get into the picture? But they gave us a little bit of foreshadowing with that photo and the coven that he mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I just thought there was only so far you can go with the paranormal stuff yeah. and things moving that can't be seen. So I thought it was really cool that he just walked into a room and all of a sudden there are women... And I think it's so creepy 
that's always been one of my fears is that you just like stumble upon a group of people. They look at you with this like dead look in their eyes, but no, like he needs to be taken care of and just approach you. (laughs) Like that is slowly scary. Yeah. 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 I used to have nightmares when I was a kid about walking into my parents' bedroom and having them like just sit up in bed and give me that look and like (laughs) approach me and be like, Oh shit. You never feel like that when you go to parties? People just kind of slowly, <laughs> look at you and slowly approach you. They look at me and slowly walk the other way with a dead yeah. look in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Hey, I, I think you're right. This was like a really cool dynamic to bring in that like there are these people who are involved. It isn't just like this one demon from Paranormal Activity, the, the original one. So, yeah, and a, a, a nice ad here. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, gov- the the grandmother being in on it, uh, that I thought that was pretty fascinating. Like, could you tie that back to her character throughout the film, uh, and like other things she was saying, or did that kind of come out of nowhere? Maybe if I went back and watched it again, I'd be able to. But she's really not in the movie that much. She tells she worries about how much money Dennis makes and that he doesn't really have much of a career. But yeah, I don't I remember think... much else from her. There's one other part where she's uh, asking Julie to have another kid or like consider oh, having another kid right so I, that's true i assume that has to do with the boy that they need born um but yeah for her to wipe out her own daughter i think was kind of insane that's true she says you always wanted a son oh she says that huh okay i totally forgot about that yeah yeah wow yeah, okay sounds, sounds all like right grandmother wanted that son yeah interesting yeah, so, uh, for, yeah, I also liked uh, Julie as a dead woman levitating. I thought that was a pretty cool visual. Um, it was, it was. And I I liked that the camera, it became more him wandering around with a camera, like traditional found footage, but I think the movie was ready for that. It had been fairly static most of the time. I would even venture to say it was a little slow sometimes throughout the film, so I was glad it got a bit more chaotic at the end here. Yeah, third act climax was pretty good. I, I maybe it. wish his death would have been a bit more yeah. extreme. I mean, it was kind of cool. He got bent in half backwards, but it was so quick and easy almost. I know, yeah. I was kind of expecting it to get dragged out a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a quick kill. Um, I was kind of hoping we'd see Toby, but we never really saw him. What would you want him to look like? Maybe like some kind of goat thing. The way like he walks, it sounds like he's got hooves. Um, I thought I thought he'd smell a little bit. Maybe okay. imagine some like black hair going. Yeah. I so a black black goat that stinks. How would yeah. they portray it to you as a viewer that it stinks? Oh man, great idea. Uh, they the the Bloody Mary scene when they're in the bathroom. I for sure thought he was gonna be like, "What's that smell?" or something. Uh, I thought that would have been a cool uh, way to kind of highlight that, like there's some other entity. That that must be from another movie or something. But yeah, I mean, sometimes there is a smell with ghosts. I think that that does sound familiar. Yeah, I feel like demons should would probably be smelly. I don't, I don't know. You got to imagine they'd be a little stinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know of, who looks like they probably stink is Mia from Evil Dead in 2013. Um, in her oh, demon yeah. form. In her demon form, yeah. <laughs> Not in her yeah. normal form, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, uh, oh, so yeah, what did you think of the whole movie then? I really liked it. It. There was a while where I was kind of thinking it was a bit slow. I didn't feel quite as attached to it. It's so funny because I think these characters are all more likable than the two characters in the first film, but I didn't feel quite as attached to I want to say I didn't feel as attached to the characters as I did then maybe I just Mm. wasn't as attached to like the relationships and the family as a whole I really like Dennis I think he's a really likable character I think maybe you just get to see more authentic moments between Katie and Micah in the first movie even if it's not great moments like Micah was a dick yeah. so there's a lot of times where you're like Micah's an ass and what's Katie even thinking mm-hmm. but you at least got into their heads a little bit a lot of sure. the interaction here between everybody is a little more surface level so as much as they're likable you don't necessarily see them working out problems in a way 
that gives you a window into their emotional lives, right? Even as yeah. the back and forth with Julie and Dennis of like, there are ghosts, no, there's not. It remains pretty like surface level, right? Mm. That's a really good point, yeah. Uh, whereas like in part one, you had both characters kind of working through it together, going through the fear of it. In this one, it felt like it was all on Dennis. Um, the mother was kind of in denial. Christy was like plotting with the devil. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like Katie was kind of shoved to the side a little bit in this one, uh, even though like she was also like kind of being tormented a little bit by Toby. Uh, but yeah, you're right. These uh, these characters never kind of bonded together over like the shared experience of like what they're going through. That's a really good point. Yeah, and I know in the first one we talked about how it was kind of cool to see their reactions to the stuff when they watched the tape back. And we do get a little bit of that with Dennis and Randy, but Randy's not consequential enough of a character yeah. to to really like get add the emotional impact that we had in the first one. So sure. yeah, exactly what you said. We're watching Katie and Micah experience this together and both know something's going on. And now we're watching kind of a man on an island with Dennis trying to Yeah only vaguely and like not very forcefully convince Julie that something's going on and then he just kind of he's so passive about it that yeah it's almost just like an ignored plot element just as an excuse to keep the movie going on the trajectory it's going on yeah which is crazy because he captures like some really shocking things on tape but like yeah I feel like they never all like kind of like sitting and like looking at it and be like, holy shit, this is happening to us. Some of it too is a little unbelievable. Like when the babysitter leaves immediately, they're both just like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> Whereas if you were Dennis in real life, you'd be like, Julie, I'm telling you, something is going on in this house. Let's yeah. go check the tapes check immediately to see what happened to her. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that immediately? Like right. you don't have to go back through. 13 hours of tape every day. If you know right. an event was likely to occur at a certain time, you just go check that tape. Right. So Exactly. And you've also got, got you've got the daughter Katie who's like at one point her hair is getting pulled by Toby. She has uh she witnesses like what Randy sees in the in the Bloody Mary thing. Like she's got to be going to her mom like telling her like the shit's going on. It's got to pique the mom's interest like want to see those tapes. Right. So yeah, that that part is a little unbelievable. There's a way to validate this. Why does nobody yeah. validate it? There's yeah. no reason. It's very hard to believe under any circumstance that Dennis would not say, "I, you believe it or not, I'm going to go check these tapes by myself. If I see something outrageous, I'm forcing you to watch it. Like, yeah, right. Or just being like, I'm taking the kids out of this house. Like, Right, right, exactly. Try to sue me. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that part's a bit of a stretch. Um, and then, uh, yeah, on, on the pacing, I agree with you that it, it is a little slow. You know what I liked about the first one is you had a rhythm where it was like you knew every night uh, on like two or three, it's like something, a blanket's going to move or like it's going to slowly build that way. Whereas this one, it didn't have the same rhythm. It was more kind of like scattered throughout the day and at night. Um, a lot of nights was just the Christy kind of like running through the halls or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it, it felt uh, not as, like, uh, rhythmic as maybe the first one or, or as uh, the, the pattern wasn't as strong as we had in the first film. I agree. They tried to do that again. They put night number whatever on the screen, but I wasn't even sure if they were going consecutive nights or skipping yeah. nights. By the, the end of the movie, I was just like, I don't really care what night it is. It doesn't even matter that much to me anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Right, it was, right. Yeah, was there even a final? I th there might have been. It was an attempt to tie back to the first one, I think, but you're yeah. right. I think that was much more than just words on a screen in the first one. It was part of the rhythm. That's a really good point. Yep. And yep. you dreaded the nighttime because right. it's just like the characters would. Yeah, that's when shit would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you find any of this uh, like too repetitive and unoriginal? Like uh, we talked about, like how it brought in some new elements with like the children, the camera work, uh, the the cult in the background. But scare wise, like, did you ever feel like this was repetitive to the first one? I'm not gonna say no, not at all. But I 
don't really mind that. These movies are scare vehicles. That's what they're designed to do. So I'm fine with them being that. I don't think they reused enough of the same trick Mm. for me to call it repetitive. If you're not a horror fan and you're watching these, yes, I'm sure it's repetitive to you. But for me, who's thinking this is a genre of subgenre of horror this is what i expect from these type of movies with some minor variations yeah then i think the minor variations were certainly there Seven enough part, to yeah. make it not very sure repetitive at least for me like it's the same hyper focused subgenre but yeah they did enough to to make it different but what do you think uh, i agree for the most part i think uh with like the kids uh and the yeah slight twists on the first one uh, it worked i don't know like you, you had that scene though where christy i think does the thing where she stands by the bed and like time just flies by uh which is kind of a cool throwback but also kind of unnecessary as you were talking i was like oh he's gonna bring up where she was standing yep i agree <laughs> yeah. i agree that that one is repetitive okay good call out um, and then even the dynamic between Dennis and Julie, did it remind you at all of Micah and Katie from the first one where it always seems like it's the dude who's just like really curious and like chasing this thing down where, I mean, in that situation you had Katie who was like kind of a victim of it. In this one you got Julie who's just like kind of checked out and like doesn't really care. But did, did you feel like that relationship was similar? In a way, yeah. It's an interesting role reversal from, uh, the men, women, and chainsaws assumption that women in horror movies are more connected to the spiritual and the man is more practical. Oh, yeah. This is like the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. She's more of the scientific mind and he's more chasing this theory and believing in it. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Any Anything else to call out? Uh, no. I just want to echo that you're right with her standing in the corner for a while because it is a very specific scare from the first one and by the the time and it's a moment in the first one you're with the first time you see it you're like uh whoa that's creepy yeah but right. this time it's just oh okay we yeah, know we know that already you're doing that again yeah yeah exactly. so good call that's a little repetitive all right um one question for you uh as we got to the end of this film um, Toby's trying to get Christy to agree to do something and Christy finally agrees. What was it? Good question. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell Toby's angle. I couldn't tell the grandma's angle. Like if the grandma just needed them to come over to do this ceremony. I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to trying to piece together like what what the plot was here of of the grandmother and Toby. Yeah, I'm okay as I've said many times before with a supernatural movie being pretty vague. I like to not know exactly what's going on because it makes it more mysterious and I think when you try to put logic to the illogical you end up trapping yourself. So yeah. I like the vagueness. I'm not going to try to figure it out aside from just for my own entertainment, yeah. but it's not something I usually look into. Scratch too hard on, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I just feel like Toby could have just killed everyone uh, at any time, but uh, yeah, you have this demonic entity who's like haunting them and stalking them, and then they go to this house and a ritual is done, and then finally like kills uh, the mother and father. So maybe it had something to do with that night or the ritual that was happening. Right, maybe the ritual caused the demon to gain some strength got it yeah. maybe it had some face in its torso skin after that <laughs> is that from freddy yeah I got the, the faces the screaming faces i got the faces they're under there yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right cool well then yeah do you want to jump to our rating then yeah i do all right how many babysitters getting gusts of wind to their face from demons would you give this one <laughs> what a scale yeah I give it four babysitters getting gusts of wind to their faces from a demon. I was between four and 4.5 just because I think these movies are a lot of fun, but four is the right place. There are weaknesses to this movie, uh, yeah. as we've mentioned. It is a lot of fun. It 
it successfully repeats a lot of what made the first one great. In a way, I think it's good that it didn't veer too far away because mm-hmm. these are fun little specific types of movies. So I'm glad they didn't go too far away from it. But at the same time, uh, honestly, if they had just had better character dynamics, yeah, I think I would have. It would have been more four point five. Like, yeah, we've talked about that a lot in the first one. The characters and how they interacted with each other, and even though we didn't like them always that it, it made that movie a really well-rounded movie right and i was surprised by how well-rounded it was and this one certainly is not re- well-rounded it, it's it's more like you you get what you came for and nothing too much more but yeah yeah for the price of admission it does what you pay for it to do okay yeah yeah that is so interesting uh and it's so critical i think in uh, in found footage that you have like believable characters that you're bought into uh, to sell the scares and uh, in this one uh, fascinating because you have a full family and so you think it'd be more bought in or you'd have your heart strings a little bit more attached but yeah I agree with you that some of the connections weren't there that they were making um, I, w- I was a little bit lower I was actually struggling between a three and a three and a half um, because of uh, yeah I was kind of some some parts of it felt repetitive um, I think it was missing that rhythm and the momentum felt kind of slow earlier on and I was still kind of confused on what was going on with the demon and the grandmother here, but love the characters. And actually I thought this was like a really scary film too. So, uh, yeah, I, I put this at three and a half. Was it gusts of winds blown by demons at babysitters? It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's when the scale gets too long. And- <laughs> I know. You just make of it what you will. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm okay. at three and a half. Three point seven five feels like a fair score for this movie. All right, all right. Seven cool. and a half out of ten. Seven and a half out of ten. Oh yeah, I like that. You add it together. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Matt, Any anything else to add on this one? I think that's all I got, man. It's weird. I found Blair Witch is another movie I really love. That's found footage, and the characters are all aren't super likable, but they have some. Very understandable and believable dynamics between the three of them. So, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of learning a little bit about what I like in a found footage movie. Sure, <laughs> you like assholes. I guess thoughts. I like assholes as long as they're believably assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, and they all die. That usually helps. All right, that wraps up our episode on Paranormal Activity Three. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join our discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter, in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, where we're chatting up with a few other listeners and horror fans. You can find the link for that on our website. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can find her work on Etsy.com. You can also find some great merchandise for our show. If you want to support our show, you can contribute to our Patreon. The link to that is in our website. And I think that's it. So until next time, if you're headed to your in-laws to get away from some demons, make sure to take a peek behind some of those old paintings they have on the wall. To make sure they're not hiding any strange symbols or drawings uh, that might not serve you well in the future. You, you look, you keep an eye out for those when you go to new places. Yeah, yeah. Peek behind the framed okay. photo, and this yeah. is a drawing of a juice box. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> is this grape? <laughs> oh no! Oh shit! We're fucked. Yeah. <laughs>